Blog Talk Radio. Challenging, thought-provoking, insightful. This is the Ninja Pastor with Sunday's God in Country with Dr. Sean. Hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical reverend. Dr. Sean is a proud U.S. military veteran, former law enforcement officer, founder of the internationally regarded executive protection team. Through his riveting national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This show is biblically and politically engaged in the battle to save our country with a pedal to the metal with this Sunday's edition of Sundays with Dr. Sean. Buckle up. Here's your host, the author of the critically acclaimed book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Reverend Dr. Sean, the Ninja Pastor, with today's message. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome, listeners just joining us all across the country. Tonight, we dive into the book of James. So, are we crazy? Because the world is spinning. Where can you look in this world and find any semblance of sanity? The White House negotiated with Iran. Uh, Let me just say, this is what I believe. I believe the president of the United States is crazy, yet planned. He's doing what he planned to do. I believe that his administration is evil not misguided. The White White House actually did negotiate with Iran, you know, that country that's the death to America, death to Israel country that vows to get a nuclear bomb. And as soon as they get a nuclear bomb, they're going to annihilate the United States and Israel. Even while the negotiations, air quotes, negotiations were going on, they were vowing to obliterate us, the United States of America, and obliterate Israel. And yet, Obama's administration forged ever forward. Confederate flags are evil, but rainbow flags should be celebrated. Christ-following bakers are vilified and fined by the government for refusing to bake a same-sex wedding cake. Transsexuals yet are rich heroes called courageous but near-poverty-level soldiers that are murdered while being unarmed are forgotten by the White House. A young girl is murdered by an illegal alien murderer with no fanfare from the president, but a thug tries to murder a police officer and dies in the process, and that thug is celebrated by the White House, and the White House sends delegations to, the, to his funeral. Innocent babies are murdered in the womb, and their innocent organs are ripped from their bodies for money for their murderers. Nothing happens to them. How in the world can you feel secure in this wild, evil world? Well, I'm going to show you in, in this message today, I'm going to show you some of the ways that you can. I'm going to show you what your faith in God can do to lift and save you day by day. I will show you how to be strong over the long haul, how not only to survive, but also to thrive. So while you're at it, um, if you have friends, I'm kind of hoping you do. If you have friends, just tell them, just go uh, and uh, click on the, if you go to blog, well, if you're here, just click on subscribe, blogtalkradio.com backslash the ninja pastor. And if you use Twitter and Facebook, follow me at the ninja pastor. And then on Facebook, sign up at facebook.com backslash God and country radio. Click on sign up, bada boom, bada bing, you're done. You can also do it from the ninja pastor.com. 
There's all kinds of stuff on um, iTunes. Uh, if you're an iTunes subscriber, uh, you can simply, for free, download past messages. There are literally hundreds and hundreds of hours. First, I want to start off tonight with uh, a special shout out to my buddy Chris in Minnesota. And I love you. You're my bro. And uh, you are in a fight, but you're going to win because you have God on your side. And I'm proud of you. And I'm proud of Jessica and your family all gathering together to fight this with you. Uh, my buddy Chris, who I've known for many, many years, a great, great Christian man. Uh, he and his family are amazing people. Uh, he is young, younger than me, and he has found out that he has cancer. Uh, and it's, it's a pretty serious thing, but he is on the right path and he's getting the right treatment and he's going to go, uh, go tomorrow and, and, uh, find out some stuff and see what, see what uh, path they're going to go. But he is a firm and complete believer. He has total and complete faith in God and God's healing power. And so, um, I know that he'll be okay. And I know that he's listening with his family. So we are all praying for you here. And those within the sound of my voice, uh, the last time we recorded, we were, uh, we had 27,000 listeners, all total, 27,000 listeners. Uh, so I know that at least half of that 27,000 group of listeners will uh, pray for Chris by name and uh, pray for his family. So we're going to give you updates and let you know what's going on with that. Uh, I also want to say that we're trying a new system here, and uh, I hope that this is better. We have some issues in this location with our internet. We're streaming this over the internet, but uh, we're using a, a hi-fi uh, system now, so it's supposed to be better. I hope our signal is better, and, and uh, so we hope I, I've listened back to some of the past shows, and, and the choppiness, I'm sure, is pretty hard to listen to, so... We hate that for you, but we're doing the best we can. We'll figure something out for sure. So tomorrow's show, tomorrow's show, you don't want to miss Collision of Faith and Politics. It's on this same station. Uh, by the way, thank you to all the folks who have logged in um, on the uh, chat. Appreciate that. If you have any questions, feel free to send those. I'll try to get to those. I always have a ton of extra time at the end. Don't know what to do with it. So uh, <laughs> those who have been listening know the last... I barely could take it before we were over with. So, but I will try to take a peek at it and and really try to figure out what your question or your comment is, and and if it's uh if it's suitable for the overall audience, we'll definitely share it. Uh, but tomorrow's show is from four to six p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The Collision of Faith and Politics. We'd love for you to join us. So, James, you know James. You know the brother of Jesus. You know him as the brother of Jesus, James, the brother of Jesus. I know him as Yaakov, brother of Yeshua. And so we're going to go ahead and jump right in since I'll, I want to have so much extra time. Um, okay. Well, welcome, Circe. We're glad to have you, by the way. Welcome. From And we'll start at uh, James verse uh, 1, chapter 1, verse 1. From Yaakov, a slave oof, of God, and of the Lord Yeshua the Messiah. Now, I just want to say um, I rely pretty heavily on the Jewish New Testament uh, commentary. Phenomenal. You can get it. It's $22. I think you can get it online. Uh, really, really, really a, a valuable tool. I'm preaching and speaking from the, uh, the complete Jewish Bible. I mean, this is 
this is the one I predominantly use. I use a few others, but this is the one. So if stuff sounds different to you, I'm not speaking in tongues. It's just Hebrew. So anyway, from Yaakov, a slave of God and the Lord Yeshua, the Messiah. Yaakov was not only a slave of the Lord Yeshua, the Messiah, but also his brother. So let me just, I was going to go in a little bit further, but uh, maybe I'll just stop here. <laughs> the crowd is saying, no, no, keep going. I couldn't help it. I have to. Um, here's the thing. Slave is a word that's being thrown around a lot, and it, it has it has a connotation um, that has been thrown back upon uh, the Bible and the founders of this country to mean some different things. This is a different thing. This here, he is a submitted slave, not made to submit, but submitted by his own will. He willfully and wantonly turned himself over to his brother, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah. And uh, I had an exchange today uh, from uh, somebody. I, I did a post, and that person was uh, very unkind and threatening and all of that, um, And uh, but didn't read the post because the post was actually about Margaret Sanger and her quote about black people are weeds in need of extermination. And I wasn't saying that black people are in need of, are weeds in need of extermination. I was saying, and I felt like I, I'm a pretty reasonably good uh, communicator. I was saying, here's the deal. Folks that are following Hillary and the left, uh, this, this is her hero. This is Hillary Clinton's hero. And uh, she's named her in her dissertation. She names her in speeches. She got an award named after her. Uh, this is her, her big friend. And uh, so I was called a racist and worse. But the bottom line is, is I don't think I'm any sort of racist. But we call it like it is here. And the word slave here doesn't mean the same thing that it means. But a lot of people have thrown out a lot of the Bible because they say they're the aggrieved party. They say, hey. They were nothing but a bunch of slave owners. I'm not following any Bible like that. Not quite. Not quite. Good try, but not quite. We'll try again. See if you can't trip me up. So Yaakov was not only a slave of the Lord Yeshua, the Messiah, but also his brother as well as leader of the Messianic community in Jerusalem. The two, now this, it's important to know who you're talking to. So we're kind of going to go a little bit deep in this just so you can know the context. To the 12 tribes in the diaspora, shalom. Now, you've all heard the word diaspora. Okay, maybe some of you have heard the word diaspora. And um, that has taken on a new meaning that maybe is not necessarily exactly correct. So I'm going to shed some light on it. The 12 tribes refers to Jews and not merely a metaphor for Christians as some Christian commentators uh, maintain. This is um, the, the uh, editor of the commentary here uh, is highlighting the fact that for some reason, a lot of people will point to the diaspora and, and include Christians in that diaspora. By the way, I wasn't going to say this, but I can't help it now because food just went by me and it smells really good. You people are missing some good food. If you don't come, for, uh, it's uh, Sundays at 5 p.m. We we have a nice meal together. People just bring stuff, um, and it's amazing. 
It's it's absolutely amazing. Great, incredible food, incredible food. So the twelve tribes refers to the Jews, and it, and they're not talking Christians. They're not really speaking about Christians here, as some Christian commentators maintain. And this is made clear from the style of the letter generally, and particularly from the fact that they they uh, they had had synagogues. Not that Gentile Christians were excluded from reading it. We don't want you to think that if you're a Gentile, that you're I'm a Gentile, so. You know, I don't feel excluded from reading this, but the leader of the Messianic Jewish community in Jerusalem is addressing fellow Jewish believers in the diaspora outside Israel. And if you want to do some research, look at Yochanan, which is John 7:35. Look at the notes there if you have the complete Jewish Bible; it's phenomenal. First um, Kepha, uh, which is First Peter 1:1. 1, 1. Look at the notes there, and, and uh, this citation from the Talmud which is Shabbat 16a. Rabbi Huda Hanasi went to uh, the di diaspora where the Greek word diaspora, which means dispersion, appears in Hebrew translation. Possibly Yaakov is, uh, which remember is James, is writing Messianic Jews who knew him personally in Jerusalem, but fled Shaul's persecution. Who is Shaul? Paul. It's the actual name for Paul. And you can look that up in Acts 8, 1 through 3, or a later one of Acts 12. Um, and that talks that talks about how all this happened. But it seems more like these were Jews already living in the diaspora when they came to faith, for whom Yaakov's words, or James, carry his authority as the Lord's brother and leader of the Jerusalem community. Now, did you, did you guys know that? People listening um, both on the air and here, did you know that James, the brother of or Yaakov, uh, the brother of Yeshua or Jesus the Messiah, was the leader of the Jerusalem community, and a lot of people don't know that. Somehow or another, that gets missed, and and uh, so I want to be clear: this is the leader talking to his people who have dispersed. We'll move on to two. Uh, Regarded as all joy, my brothers, when you face various kinds of temptations, for you know that the testing of your trust produces perseverance. Well, okay, let me go back. I, I can't go past that. Regard it, as, regard it all as joy, my brothers, when you face various kinds of temptations. Who in here has been tempted? Who in the audience here, the live audience, has been tempted? A little bit. Right? See, right next to you is ice cream. So we're, a lot of us are trying to, trying to lose weight, get healthy, be super, super fit and all this stuff. And we've got temptations all around us. Uh, other temptations. There's all other temptations. Some, some somewhat more benign than others. Uh, and and you know it's um, it's interesting how that goes because we really have the opinion that we should be isolated from all temptation. Once we follow Christ, once we place our faith in Yeshua, that we are suddenly released from all the temptations. Regular people. Well, I'm hate to be the one to break it to you. It's even more on you because the enemy wants to trip you up and, and they find success. The enemy finds success tripping you up when you are a follower of the way or a follower of Yeshua HaMashiach or follower of Jesus Christ. And you are of the belief that suddenly uh, God will magically remove from you any temptation. Here's a newsflash. God doesn't tempt you. God doesn't tempt you. Here's we'll explain why. And, and as it relates to, uh, you know, in my open, 
I talked about the crazy world. The world is, of course, it's spinning, not to be too scientific on you, but it's spinning on its axis, but it's also spinning in the context of culture. It's, it's making no sense. I was just talking to somebody, and they said to me, you know, Dr. Sean, I, I, how much longer can this go on? Because it doesn't seem like this can go on much longer. We have people on video negotiating the crushing of human lives of innocent babies so as to provide the best opportunity for financial return for Planned Parenthood. And then we have Planned Parenthood coming on and lying about what the says. See, that's what the left does. They lie about what we know is true. And what happens is, is we believe it. But the fact of the matter is, is they are talking in very clear terms about the preservation, not of life, but of profit. Now, I don't know about you, but to me, I would think that that would be the thing that would bring down such a murderous organization. Wouldn't you? Pardon? Yeah, especially the way the left. Oh, that's a very good point. Thank you for bringing that up. I hadn't actually thought of that. I'm locking that down right now, and I'm giving you credit. Skip Ahead Sue has a, has a great point, and that is, especially with the left, considering the left is so anti-capitalism. Isn't it interesting? They're anti-capitalism until it's their money, and it's a perversion of capitalism. Yeah, it's just a blob. It's just a blob, as Wes points out. It's just a blob. It's not a person. It's just a blob with a heart. They're harvesting real organs. You know, it's just, it's just amazing me. And so for me personally, I look at that and I look at the fact that um, I don't know how many of you saw the video of, of this group of aggrieved black folks who went to graveyards where there are Confederate soldiers, not necessarily even Confederate officers, but Confederate soldiers, and they are digging their bodies up. Here's a newsflash. They've not been arrested. I would think, now, first of all, it's a federal crime. It's not just a state. It's a federal crime. If that person is buried under the, like, for instance, if you go to a regular cemetery and you dig up an American soldier, it indicates on the gravestone it's an American soldier, it is now a federal crime. That we, we have made an agreement to protect our soldiers all the way through to where they're interred, that they'd be a, a place of peace and rest, that they may rest in peace. And we're allowing this. We're allowing this. You look at, uh, you know, I, I don't want to beat this to death, but um, Bruce Jenner, you look at him getting a, such a big award. Uh, the the uh, Arthur Ashe Courage Award is a big deal. It's a really big deal. If you look at some of the past winners, you know, it's a big deal. And unfortunately, they've given him this award. You know, I don't know how many of you know, but not long before, he killed someone with his car. He was absolutely at fault. And now the trial's about to begin. And yet they gave him this award for courage. You know who the runner-up was? Noah. Anybody know who Noah is? The guy with... Uh, he, is, he has no legs, and he has one arm, and he was on Dancing with the Stars, and he, and he did amazing, amazing, came in second, amazing. He, he came in second, I mean, he came in second on the voting. How do you do that? How do you vote as a people? How do you look at a guy 
who has given huge parts of his body and huge chunks of his life, and yet he's gone on to do incredible things and inspire millions. He doesn't get the reward and the award, the Arthur Ashe Award for Courage, but Bruce Jenner does because he changed his sex. We look at that and we say, how much longer can this go on? And the thing is, the world is succumbing to so many temptations. One of those temptations, I'll just tell you right now, when we see the Iran, um, I don't even like to use deal because it's not a deal. We get nothing out of this. We get nuked. It's what we get. We get nothing out of it. When something like that is negotiated and the American Congress doesn't immediately go after the president and his administration for treason, there's a problem in our country. And this, the temptation that I want to tell you about, sometimes we don't see, is the temptation to lean back in our chair and say, you know, I don't like getting involved with this kind of stuff. Christians, one of the biggest temptations Christians have is to say, you know, I believe in Jesus. I love Jesus. He redeemed me. I believe in the grace and the redeeming story of the Lord, but I don't get involved in politics. They've succumbed to the temptation that's been put in front of them by the left that says, look, we don't want you involved. We don't want conservatives involved. We don't want Christians or followers of Christ or Jews, true Jews, involved in politics. Why? Because we represent the opposition. What we also represent is the truth. You'll see more. You'll hear more here in a second. For you know that the testing of your trust produces perseverance. The testing of your trust produces perseverance. Have you ever had your trust in someone tested? Just in the room. How many? Sure. We've all had our trust in people tested. Have you ever had your trust tested and you realized they were worthy of your trust? The person that you doubted they were worthy of your trust. They didn't do what you thought they did. They didn't say what they were accused of saying, whatever they were alleged to have said or done. And yet, you doubted them. What do you do at the end of that? When that comes out, this person was telling the truth. What do you do? You go to them and you apologize. You apologize. For you know that the testing of your trust produces perseverance. Sometimes when someone we have a lot of trust and faith in, when they're never tested, our trust is a lot thinner than it needs to be. Sometimes there needs to be testing. That's why God isn't afraid of our doubts, our testing, our fears. He's not afraid of that. Bring it on. Bring it on. Because he knows he'll stand the test. And see, we are in the test right now. We are in a great test in this nation. We're in a test in this, in this kehala. We're in a test. You know, the test that we're in is that at any moment, government officials could come in from this government. And believe you me, this is not hyperbole. They could absolutely 
at any moment come in and say, you can't have this gathering. You cannot have this gathering. It's an unlawful gathering. You say that can't happen. It ha it's happened on several occasions within the past three years in California alone. The freedom of association, even. If you just want to talk about our freedom to associate with whom we want. We have formed a club. They say, well, you're excluding people. Who are we excluding? We welcome all. Well, you exclude Muslims. Yeah, well, they're not here to do us well. We know the truth about what they're about. They're not here to do us well. And they exclude us. We have food here. We'll feed anybody that's hungry. You show up here hungry and you leave hungry. You did something wrong. You missed step number two. Step one is get here. Step two is eat. I, I can do that in my sleep. The testing of your trust produces perseverance. Folks, we are absolutely in the throes of one of the toughest times the world has ever known. The world has ever known. Do you know that there are, in Greece right now, there are people throwing themselves off of some of the most vaunted uh, uh, monuments because they want to die from there because they're hopeless. They have no pension that they thought they'd had. Their money is gone from their accounts. They have no job. They have no health care. They have nothing. They lived in utter largesse, the socialistic way of living, told it can go on ad infinitum, and it didn't. And they're killing themselves in droves. You won't see that on the national press, but that's what's happening. Folks, that's coming here to the United States of America. In order to trust someone when, when we are uh, in a situation, uh, when, we, when we are in a, in a delicate situation, I'll just use the example of um, an example of aiding, by the way, one of the, um, one of the commenters uh, kindly put in a, a, a message that that's not treason. Treason is what? Aiding and abetting, consorting with the enemy, giving aid and comfort to the enemy. Iran is absolutely our enemy. We are giving them, allegedly giving them back, billions of dollars. And what do you think they are going to do with the billions of dollars? They're going to fund terrorism on a, on a grand scale. Yeah, we are, we are protecting them. It's, it's absolutely crazy. Uh, but let perseverance, let's, let's go on. Let perseverance do its complete work so that you may be complete and whole, lacking in nothing. Listen, folks, perseverance is a very critical tool. Uh, my son and I today were watching um, the, what do they call those, CrossFit games. And we were watching the women, uh, the women's part of the competition. It's the final day, I think, isn't it? The final day. And what, the, what these women athletes do is absolutely mind-boggling. And it was an irony for us because just as we were getting ready to leave here, there was a huge crash, a very serious crash in the Tour de France. Uh, that ended up, and I won't tell you who won if you follow that, but uh, it was a horrible crash at very high speed. These, these cyclists can go, uh, some of these downhills, uh, they can go as fast as 70 miles per hour, and all they have on is Lycra. <laughs> so, you know, it was a horrible crash. 30 or more of them just flipping and bouncing and skidding and, 
it was terrible. They were really, they had to stop the race and get doctors there uh, because it was that bad. But then just seemed like what was moments later, they persevered. The ones that could walk got on their bicycles. There's one guy broke his arm. They got on their bicycles, bleeding, you know, head, most likely head injuries. Some of them were just ground down. The road rash was horrible. Persevered. They got on the bikes and they persevered. You cannot have victory unless you are willing to persevere. That, my friends, is the absolute bottom line. In our faith, in our life, which our faith in our life, this is, this is where I tell people a lot of times they, um, they tell me, look, you know, church has no business in politics, but for some reason they think politics is okay in church. Separation of church and state, separation of church and state, they always are taunting that. It's nowhere in the Constitution. But the fact of the matter is, is what we find, uh, there's some interesting discussion on the, uh, uh, it, it's a shame you can't see, the live audience can't see the discussion going on here. It, it's pretty interesting. Um, let me say this because I'm looking now and the clock just keeps ticking. We, the, the separation of church and state, as all of you know, here was done to protect the church from the government. It's actually, there's a debate going on saying that it's all over the Constitution. It's not in the Constitution. It was a letter from Thomas Jefferson in response to a letter to him from the Danbury Baptist, and he put a statement in there, I challenge you, read the Constitution, you will not find separation of church and state in there. It'll be fun for you, as it was for me. But let perseverance do its complete work. Listen, are you persevering when halfway through, let's say you're swimming. Diana Nyad did that great swim at 60-some years old. I think she, did she swim from Cuba to the United States? It was some huge swim. I mean, she was getting bumped and brushed by sharks. She was swollen for weeks. She had to be in medical care. She had IVs, all these things. She had tried the swim many, many times before. And she had to abort. One time she had to abort because there were so many sharks swarming around her. They had to get her out of the water. And they abandoned jet skis because these sharks were so big, they were afraid that they would attack the jet skis. They were bumping the jet skis. I mean, you know, this was amazing perseverance. But she said, hey, I'm going to be smart here. I'm, gonna, I'm going to get out of the water so I can persevere later. And she did, 60-some years old. She made the swim. But if she'd have stopped in the middle, we'd have said, wow, that's a great thing that she tried. But did she do it? Did she achieve it? No, she didn't persevere. She did for a while, then she stopped. Now, I think that was wise of her to do that. I would agree with it. But let perseverance do its complete work so that you may be complete and whole, lacking in nothing. Lacking in nothing. It's one of the comments here is, is religion and politics is always a mistake. We have de-godded the governance. Yeah, yeah, we've de-godded the governance of our great nation to our great peril. Not to say that we want to force our faith on anyone. We don't go out on the street and drag people in here. 
We don't bring them in and say, first of all, you must eat, and second of all, you must listen. We don't do that. We say, if you'd like to come, we'd love to have you. And we'll feed you while you're here. We'll give you food and we'll give you drink. And we'll treat you with great hospitality. I would say to you that the fact that we've de-godded the governance of our country, a big chunk of that is why we're where we are now. But I'll move on. Let perseverance do its complete work so that you may be complete and whole, lacking in nothing. Lacking in nothing. How many of you in this room and, and online, how many of you in this room want to be lacking in nothing? You're all your needs. Look, I'm, I'm going to raise my hand. I'm not afraid to say, look, I want all my needs. I have no problem with all of my needs being met. I'd like to have safety and security. I'd like to have health and wellness. I'd like to have sound mind. I'd like to have uh, enough uh, wealth, financial stability to do what I want to do. I'd like even to extend it to my family and my children and my friends, all of you being my friends. I, for me personally, lacking in nothing for me is that everyone that I come into contact with should also be lacking in nothing. I'm not afraid to say I, I like the sound of lacking in nothing. Now, if any of you lacks, here we go. Now, this is going to get crispy. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives to all generously and without reproach. This, reproach. this is verse 5, and with, generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. And there's a comparison there, Proverbs 2, 3 through 6. Interesting comparison if you ever, just for study purposes, you just want to go look at that. There's an interesting comparison. So let me say it again. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. Let me say this. They asked me after my crash. I had a 92-mile-per-hour versus 51-mile-per-hour head-on collision. And they asked me, were you unconscious? Here's what they forgot to tell me. That you don't know if you were unconscious. I didn't know that little tidbit. Gee, I, I was just asleep for 40 minutes. I, I didn't know that. But yes, I was indeed asleep. I was out. I was unconscious. Whew. Didn't know that little fact. And it made a big difference in how they treated me. Because with head injuries, uh, we have a doctor in the house, as she, of course, knows the head injuries, that's one of the markers. If you, don't, if you weren't ever unconscious, then that gives them an indicator of the severity of your head injury, of your brain injury. Well, I was unconscious because we've now had two firemen come up to us and go, dude, you were dead. We did not know this. We didn't, this, is, this is new information to us. Would to God that we would have had that. So I lack some wisdom. Because when I finally was awake and someone came up to the car, they asked me if I had a fire extinguisher in the car. And I said, well, I do in here somewhere. I'll help you look for it if you just help me get this darn door open. <laughs> he says, mister, you're not going anywhere. I lacked wisdom because I bumped my head on a car going 92 miles per hour. I lacked wisdom. Sometimes we don't know that we lack wisdom. I don't like to get in a whole lot of debates uh, with the left specifically because they, they tend to resort to the, the situation today, earlier today, when immediately to name calling and when immediately to insults. That's when you know you know you, you, what you're dealing with there. 
they don't have truth on their side. And the fact of the matter is, is, is I can footnote everything I say. Here you go. Here's look it up yourself if you want. Oh, you're racist. You're this. You're that. Uh, you know, I don't pay any mind to that anymore. It's just silly talk. It's silly talk. The problem is too many of those people, too many of those people. We've got some atheists listening now, by the way. It's a fun little exchange here. Praise God. That'll get the word will get in. It'll find its way. Yeah, isn't that funny? Um, the Bible says at an appointed time, every knee will bow. Amen. Mine too. So it, good thing Wes does not have a mic. <laughs> now, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. Let him ask God. Who are we asking? We're asking God. Why are we asking God? We're asking God because he's the only one that can give wisdom through his word, through prayer and supplication, through hungering and thirsting after righteousness, going to God, hungering and thirsting after God. That's the only way. And I appreciate you're very respectful. Uh, God can answer. Stuart is saying God can't answer, though. And Circe is being very respectful and very kind, and I appreciate that. But And because she's looking for, she or he is, are looking for different perspectives. And I like that. I'm, I have no fear of that at all, and uh, I respect that. Um, but God does absolutely answer. He's answered me, I'll tell you that. Look at my car, and then look at me. And then tell me God doesn't answer prayers. So uh, let him ask God. Any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Here's the kicker, though. They say, well, I didn't get what I was asking for, but let him ask in trust, doubting nothing. For the doubter is like a wave in the sea being tossed and driven by the wind. Remember my saying, hesitant faith is no faith at all. But let him ask in trust, doubting nothing. For the doubter is like a wave in the sea being tossed and driven by the wind. Listen, when you're out to sea, how many of you in here have ever been sailing? Man, I love to sail. I love the, I love the, hey, that's still sailing. It's still wind, it's still water, and it's still a sail. That's still sailing. I love the sound of the wind hitting the sheets and, and, and the, the ropes uh, and just the, the, the sounds of the water hitting the hull. And I just love all that. I love all that. As much as I love the sound of a good, strong, stout motor, I love the sound of wind propelling. It's just such a fascinating. If you don't have a rudder on your vessel, the news for you is not good. You're going to go the way the wind and the currents want to send you. Let him ask and trust, doubting in nothing. Listen, Father, I trust you. I trust you that your will is better for me than mine. I trust you that your way is better than mine. I trust you that your care and your love for me, your plan for me, is better than whatever I can dream up. And then you lean back and let him catch you and guide you. 
For the doubter is like a wave in the sea being tossed and driven by the wind. In verse 7, indeed that person should not think that he will receive anything from the Lord because he is double-minded, unstable in all his ways. Remember, folks, who is this? This is Yaakov. And he's talking to the diaspora. And he's saying times are going to get tough. Indeed, they are tough. We have agreed in this august band here in the live audience that times are tough and that they're going to get tougher. They're going to get tougher for us. And if we don't know in whom we believe fully and completely, not hesitant faith, but full faith, complete, remember what it says, but let him ask and trust, doubting nothing. And in verse 7, indeed, that person should not think that he will receive anything from the Lord because he is double-minded, unstable in all his ways. Let the brother in humble circumstances boast about his high position. But let the rich brother boast about being humbled since like a wildflower he will pass away. In verse 11, for just as the sun rises with the sharav and dries up the plant, so that its flower falls off and its beauty is destroyed, so too the rich person going about his business will wither away. And Yaakov has more to say about the poor and the rich uh, in chapter 2, 1 through 9. We're going to talk about that in chapter 5, 1 through 6. And then if you want to look at comparisons, uh, 1 Corinthians 7, 22. 7.22. Now, what is the Sharov? The Sharov is the hot, dry wind which blows across Israel from the deserts east of the land in the spring and less often in the fall. The sun rises with the Sharov, weather, Jonah 4.8. It's weather like this, this terrible, terrible, terrible wind, this hot, dry wind that made Jonah want, uh, made Jonah faint and want to die. This is what we're talking about here. Remember in Scripture, little things don't mean a lot. Little things mean everything. For just as the sun rises with the sharab and dries up the plant so that its flower falls off and its beauty is destroyed, so too the rich person going about his business will wither away. Look at Isaiah 47. The grass withers, the flower fades when a wind from Adonai blows upon it. And then verse 12, how blessed is the man, or how blessed is the man who perseveres through temptation, for after he has passed the test, for after he has passed the test, he will receive his crown, the life which God has promised to those who love him. That after, for after, folks, is key. It's critical here. How blessed is the man who perseveres through temptation for after he has passed the test. Folks, it's at the end. It's after we get through all of this stuff that our reward comes to us. Have you ever heard it said, this is most often done in, um, in southern uh, churches, but I, I like it. Um, when you ask about somebody, you say, how is so-and-so? So-and-so's been sick. Oh, you know, he's going to his reward. She's going to her reward. If you're down south, you know that that means they've died. They've passed away. But they've not just died 
been put in a grave, they had they are now present, absent of the body is to be present with the Lord. They've gone to their reward. All of us who have faith, we've placed our faith, and we're in the test, are going to experience that. Someone one day will say about us, where's Sean Greener? Where's Dr. Sean? Where's the ninja pastor? Well, he's going on to his reward. Here you go. Here you go. Yeah. They're going to say that about me one day. Gone to his reward. Persevered through temptation. But only after you pass the test. Folks, a lot of people say, hey, my good wishes ought to be enough. I, wanna, I don't want to cause any trouble here on earth. I just want to get through. I remember my mother's advice to me when she put me on the bus for boot camp. I think it was only 13 days after I graduated from high school, 13 days from that. She puts me on a bus for boot camp, which, by the way, was the first time I'd ever been on a railways kind of bus. I mean, it's a weird experience, but it was different. It seemed like you stopped every 10 feet. My goodness, how do you get anywhere? So, uh, and they had a bathroom on the bus, and I'm using air quotes. Yeah. So, so we're going on our way to Baltimore. The first thing she says to me, or last thing she says to me, rather, is keep it cool. Just keep it cool. Don't be in front. Don't try to be number one. I don't know where she got the idea I'd ever try that. Don't try to be number one. Just, just be in the middle. Be invisible, and you'll get through. You know, and I appreciate her advice because she was right. Sometimes you have to, you have to adopt a strategy. Uh, when you're in a challenge and you're in a group, sometimes it's best to ride down that middle, be invisible until that time. Your appointed time, the time where you're supposed to emerge as a leader, is presented to you. Your divine appointment, I like to think of it as that. And that's what happened to me. And I was so blessed because of it. But there was a time where I just said, keep it cool. Keep it cool. All right, Lil. Keep it cool. Just keep it cool. And that's what I did. You got to persevere through temptation. And you have to pass the test, folks. Everyone, my book, Excellence Killed the Church. I hope that the folks that are listening that are on the, uh, thank you for joining us. One had to, one had to leave. Uh, but um, I'd encourage you to get my book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America. If you go to theninjapastor.com, that's, I'll have a way you can get the book on there. But I encourage you to do that. I'll even sign it. If you, if you let me know, I'll even sign it. I'll send you one. All that said to say this. That God makes promises, but there's keys to those promises. Folks, the, this, in this society, everybody gets a trophy. In my book, I talk about it. This is not an everyone gets a trophy book. Because you know what? This is not an everyone gets a trophy life. Look, the, the Yeshua Hamashiach went to such awful, awful torment. Do you think he needed to do that? Do you think that he, he was imposed upon to do that? No. His father, Elohim, Adonai Elohim, he could have said, I'm done with these people. You know why I know he could have said that? Because he'd done it. He done already went and did it when he sent water across the land and flooded all but that family of Noah. And he can do it again. He'll do it different this time. He'll do it different this time. But listen, folks, God did not, he was not in a box. He didn't have to do that. He did it out of love. 
And Yeshua HaMashiach went and endured all those horrific beatings on our behalf so that we could have the perfect lamb that was slain. Glory to God. Thank God for that. But we've got to pass the test in order to receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. Listen, who are you not ambivalent about? You're not ambivalent about people that you love. You're not ambivalent. Look, I'm not ambivalent. My kids, all of you who know me, know I adore my kids. I have three children. I have Doyle, Lily, and my furry little baby named Buckeye. She's my little love bug. I'm very passionate about, I'm not ambivalent about my children. Let me be clear. I'm not ambivalent about my children. I love my children. Here's the tether. You cannot be ambivalent about someone you love. You also can't be ambivalent about something you love. Here is the thing uh, I have to say to you. Uh, this country, in, in part, is where we are right now because too many of us were ambivalent for too long. Too many of us were ambivalent for too long. And now it is barefoot in the snow days. And we are facing trials unimaginable. I don't say that to scare you. I say it because it is foretold that this would happen. Our great founders, uh, several of them didn't think that we could go 50 years. They didn't think we could make it 50 years. You say, what does that have to do with church? Dr. Sean, it doesn't have anything to do with church. Why are you mixing politics? Why are you mixing this together? Because when they set about, the number one portrait of George Washington is of him praying, and he never sat for any of those portraits. If you wanted to do a portrait of him, you had to catch him unaware. Why was he praying? Because he was not ambivalent about the origin of freedom and liberty coming from the one to whom he prayed. We as a people have been too ambivalent. We have not persevered through the test. We have not passed the test. We said, hey, we send our politicians. We don't care what they believe about this or that. We just want to know, are they a good politician? That's what we do. I'm busy doing my work, trying to do what I'm supposed to do, keep the bills paid, pay my taxes. Keep my head down. Don't bother anybody. Don't mess with anybody. Just do my thing. That's why we send them. And we became ambivalent. We turned it all over to them instead of turning it all over to God. And that's why we're where we are today. I would submit to you. No one, this is verse 13, no one being tempted should say, I am, remember I told you I was going to talk about this. No one being tempted should say, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and God himself tempts no one. Folks, I, I want to just share with you, uh, I've had a lot of temptation in my life, and never once was the source of that temptation God. More often than not, it was me. Uh, Satan tempted or tested Job. You see, translation, words don't mean a lot. They mean everything. It's always been it's always been translated or most often translated tempted. Tempted. 
but it's tested. Job was put to the test. God said, put my servant Job to the test. Job 1 and 2. Yeshua in Matthew 4, uh, 1 through 11, but God tempts no one. Genesis 22, 1 must be understood as God's means of strengthening Abraham's faith. He took that and he said, how much do you love me? And Abraham passed the test. He persevered all the way through. This is verse 14. Rather, each person is being tempted whenever he is being dragged off and enticed by the bait of his own desire. Had somebody today say they were going to drag, they were going to beat me to the heavens and drag me off for my beliefs. That didn't go so well for his own desire, known as Judaism, uh, the Yetzir Ra, evil inclination. You can learn more about that in Romans 5, 12 through 21. The genesis of sinful acts is treated similarly by the rabbis. See, for example, the gates of repentance by Rabbi Jonah of Jerona. He was a cousin of Maimonides. One who commits a transgression has been seized by lust and incited thereto by the evil inclination, or Yetzir with Ra understood repentance halts at once the vicious sequence then verse 15 then having conceived the desire gives birth to sin and when sin is fully grown it gives birth to death sin gives birth to death and james or yaakov was making it very clear sin succumbing to temptation gives birth to death God gave us birth. And yet, when we sin, we give birth to our own death. Verse 16, don't delude yourselves, my dear brothers. Verse 17, every good act of giving and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father who made the heavenly lights. With him there is neither variation nor darkness caused by turning. Again, here we're using astronomical language, either eclipse or phases of the moon. Yaakov's cosmology was more Copernican than Ptolemaic, the Roman Catholic Church's condemnation of Galileo, which they recently rescinded, was inconsistent with this verse. The meaning, of course, is that God does not change. Verse 18, having made his decision, he gave birth to us through a word that can be relied upon in order that we should be a kind of first fruits of all that he created having made his decision of his own free will by grace and not because he owed it to us. God doesn't owe us a thing. God gave birth to us through a word that can be relied upon. The word of truth is Yeshua and the Messiah. And this is taught most clearly by the Gospel of Yochanan, which is John 1, 1 and 14, 3, 5 through 8, 15 and 26, uh, chapter 16, 7 through 15, and Shachanan, or 1 John 5, 4 through 8. We are a kind of first fruits of all that God created and can be inferred. This is verse 19. Therefore, I'm almost finished. Hang in there. Therefore, my dear brothers, let every person be quick to listen, but slow to speak, slow to get angry. How many folks in here are slow to speak? If you, yeah, got a couple hands. There's a few in here that say, hey, you know, I'm slow to speak. We call that uh, 
in the vernacular, she had her hand up, believe it or not. How well she knows you. Um, you know, the slow to speak is we uh, euphemism for a long fuse. Boy, that person has a long fuse. But what do they say usually about long fuses? Right? Watch out when that fuse ends, when it reaches when it reaches its end. And dear brothers, let every person be quick to listen, but slow to speak, slow to get angry. That's good advice. That's good advice. God knows what he's doing. In verse 20, he says, a person's anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. Now, a lot of people, a lot of people will say, that's why we should be pacifists, because we should be slow to anger. It doesn't say that we're never to be angry. It says slow to be angry. If he meant to say, hey, don't ever get mad, he would have said it. We're going to stop here. We'll resume next week. I thank all of you for joining us. Please remember to join me tomorrow on the Collision of Faith and Politics. It's going to be a fiery show. I, I don't know if you can tell, but it's going to be a very fiery show. Um, we are going to enjoy ourselves, but it's going to be full-on pedal to the metal right from the start. I appreciate you joining me. Don't forget to go and look at all of our different. Uh, thank you, Stuart. I appreciate it. Uh, and listen to past shows. TheNinjaPastor.com, iTunes, uh, Facebook.com, backslash God and Country Radio. And then also you can subscribe here on uh, BlogTalkRadio.com, backslash TheNinjaPastor. Thanks for joining us. Join us next time for Sundays with Dr. Sean. And please follow this show and the Collision of Faith and Politics radio show during the week at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash The Ninja Pastor. And follow Dr. Sean on Twitter at The Ninja Pastor and on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash God in Country Radio. And check out all the free messages, archive shows, and buy Dr. Sean's critically acclaimed book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, at www.drshawngreener.com. Join us during the week. And in the meantime, Dr. Sean will be fighting for you and for this great country. Thank you for joining us in this fight.